0: podcast you've been looking for all along step into the life of urban exploration with guests from around the world welcome to no tracers welcome to the no tracers podcast this is your halloween special welcome to the show my name is kay i am your host i'm known as no tracers no dot tracers on instagram no tracers on TikTok, or just the letter k on youtube if you guys want to listen to this podcast and see photos from my guest at the same time go to the just the letter k youtube channel and you can actually there's a video version of this podcast that you can watch listen to and check out some of the awesome photos from my guest who this week is freak i thought who better to talk to for halloween than freak dave is such a cool guy and he's from ontario canada super excited to talk to him this week about his exploration journey into abandonment and into decay the things he's learned over the years of exploring His trials, his tribulations, his injury stories, his scariest stories. There's so much we're talking about in this episode from gear to crazy experiences. And I hope you stick around all the way to the end. If you are new to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that you get notified every single Friday when a new episode drops. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time and you like it, you like what you hear, you want to share your your experience with others, please leave a rating and feedback on the show, especially on Apple Podcasts because it helps us grow in the society and culture section of apple podcasts we're trying to grow in the itunes charts and the only way to do that is with your help the help from the audience that loves this show thank you guys so much for supporting the show if you do leave a rating and feedback i will send you a signed photo print from an abandoned place i have explored as a way of saying thank you it's absolutely free doesn't cost you anything and you get a freaking photo print out of it isn't that sick So, before we get into the show with Freaktography, just a few more housekeeping things. First of all, I do have an urban exploration photography book called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. If you guys want to get a copy of that, or if you need a duffel bag to carry your props, your gear, anything like that, in costumes, things like that. I know a lot of urban explorers do like themed shoots, and you need a good, sturdy duffel bag that you can carry this stuff in. So, I've got a sick duffel bag that I designed. It says Leave No Trace on the top and bottom and it says no tracers on the sides i've also got backpacks hats all kinds of cool stuff head over to just the letter k.com slash shop i'll put a link down in the description for you and if you guys want to read my blog you can go to notracers.com and you can dive deeper into my urban exploration stories The last thing I need to do before we get into this podcast is I need to thank our partner, Liquid Death Mountain Water. Just in time for Halloween, here's an ad for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water, a water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint. Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid Death. Murder your thirst. So if you guys want 10% off your order at liquiddeath.com, head to liquiddeath.com. Use code just the letter K at checkout. You have to get a set of koozies in order to get that discount. It's something new they implemented. So if you guys want 10% off, get your one case, your 50 cases, however many cases of water you decide to get, and a set of koozies and use code just the letter K. You'll get 10% off your entire order. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this podcast. Freaktography, please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience.
1: All right, so yeah, my name's Dave. uh, Online, I'm known as Freaktography, and I've been exploring since March 2012.
0: Nice. So what got you into exploring in the first place? What made you catch this bug?
1: Well, I mean... Like a lot of people that do this, I I was doing it for years as a kid, as a teenager, growing up without knowing that it even had a name, you know, Um, just going into random buildings I'm not supposed to be into or climbing up on rooftops or running around in storm drains as a kid and as a teenager. Um, Then it was was my birthday in 2012, and uh, I had a buddy telling me about this house not far from where I live. Uh, that was—I I don't do haunted shit, but uh, apparently there's this very haunted house um, near, you know, about, about an hour from where I live. And uh, the street that this house is on and the city that it's in, it's, it's this town of really, really nice homes. A lot of doctors and lawyers live there and all of their nice, well-manicured yards. And then there's this one dumpy, abandoned house that no one has lived in for decades— And the story was that this man that lived there and his family kept having these really strange paranormal experiences. Um, And he came home one day, and whatever happened, he had had enough. He packed up his family and his belongings, and they left, and no one has ever lived there since. And people have tried to buy it and tried to renovate it, but so much weird stuff kept happening that they would just give it up. And so this house has been sitting there like this for decades. So anyways... That story got me really interested. So I went home the next day and I started reading up on this house. And while I was searching for information on this abandoned house, I came across all these websites of uh, people who do this, where they go into abandoned buildings and take photos. And I loved it. I thought it was such a cool idea to actually go in and take pictures of pictures of these places. So I just started doing it based on that little bit of research about that one house and i was immediately hooked
0: oh that's so incredible i love i love that you like went home and started doing research and you were like wait there's more people out here like me like that's such a cool feeling to like <laughs> discover that you know i remember when i first so i grew up overseas and uh moved to california in 2014 and then in 2015 i went to a photography meetup. And uh, this guy was like, oh, yeah, like we started talking about like abandoned places. And he was like, oh, yeah, urban exploring is huge out here in California. And I was like, wait, wait, what we can you mean? There's more <laughs> there's more things we can do. So that's kind of how I got into it. And it's yeah. it's been so fun to to discover these places and connect with people like on this podcast. Like I've met up with Big Banks and Steve Ronan and, just, and Abandoned Nashville through this podcast. And it's been such a cool way to like connect with the community even further um for you when did your photography come into play when did you pick up a camera start taking photos and start documenting decay
1: well at the the time that all this happened that i discovered this thing i did have a, a pretty nice nikon camera at the time that i had never really used i just i had acquired it at one point didn't know how to use it some would say i still don't (laughs) but um i had this really cool camera so i'm like i can get out and do this so um i just started obviously shooting in auto you know auto mode jpeg no idea about composition or exposures or anything i literally knew nothing other than point the camera take a picture they were all crooked blown out pictures um and it's honestly it's just been a process of uh of self-education self-learning i've taught everything uh uh, i know my uh myself through you know my own research trial and error getting shitty feedback from people on my shitty pictures and (laughs) and uh, taking that feedback um not so constructive criticism and applying it and, and making uh, improvements here and there, so it's a it's a constant uh, learning experience. Doing photography and also videos with uh, you know I do I have a YouTube channel, and it's it's the same very steep learning curve with photos and with video in you know what what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. So it's been a ten year uh, learning experience, then and, and I'm still learning.
0: So for, for you, like I'm the same way I shoot photo and video and a lot of people will pick one or the other. So what made you pick to do both? Like what, like, especially like when you're in an abandoned place, right? Like you feel like you're, you're kind of rushing for time. So you want to capture as much as possible, but at the same time, you're like, okay, I got to get photos for, you know, Instagram or for a photo book or for prints. And then you're like, wait, but I also have to film for YouTube. How do you, uh, how do you, I guess, separate your time in a bando when you're trying to capture so much stuff?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's really funny. I mean, I consider myself a an explorer first, and then a, and then a photographer, and then uh, a YouTuber, I guess you'd say. Um, my my very first, the first thing I do when I get to an abandoned building is I just walk around, right? walk around get my bearings take a look at what's cool get get some picture ideas then i'll usually get out my camera and I'll, I'll do my pictures first or i'll do the video first these days i will spend a very long time in each abandoned building that i go to you know i used to do you know like let's say 10 locations in a day now i'm lucky if i can knock off five in a whole day because i take so long and funny story about that is um a couple years ago quite a few years ago i had gone to detroit with the proper people and you want to talk about taking a long time (laughs) these guys (laughs) take their time (laughs) and so we met up we went to one of the one of the high schools in detroit and we get inside and you know i'm doing my pictures i'm doing my video and we kind of go our own way and meet up and and then i'm pretty much done i think we're done and They're like just getting started, you know, because they have to do they do their pictures. They both shoot video. Uh, One of them does Polaroids. Then they have to do their cinematic stuff with their slider and then they do drone footage. And at the time I was like, Jesus Christ, we're going to be here all fucking day. (laughs) And but but honestly, now that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I do the same thing. I do I do pictures for my for my photography and my website. I do video for my YouTube channel. I do mobile stuff for Instagram and for TikTok and for stories. Um I do drone footage. I also do cinematic stuff. I also have a slider and it's I mean, you can rush through and not get the experience or you can really take your time and document it, right? Yeah. So I just take my time. And, and honestly, if you're in an abandoned building and you've been in for about a half an hour and you haven't been caught, you're probably not going to get caught, right? Yeah. So it's at that point where you can really relax. And, you know, I'll spend my, my first half hour 20 minutes while I'm shooting, looking out windows to make sure nobody saw me or nobody's coming, you know? Um, and I can completely relax after half an hour and be confident that I'm here. I'm here for the, for quite a while. And nobody knows that I'm here. So I take my time and, uh, I no disrespect to the proper people at all. I actually learned from them to take my time and really enjoy myself and, and document and document well.
0: Oh man. I love that. I love that. You, you now are at a point where you're like, and it's cool. Like that's such a cool tip that like hasn't been shared on here, but you're so right. If it's been 30 minutes and nobody's caught you yet, you're probably all right so true yeah
1: unless it's by like by chance that a property owner shows up right you know just to check on the place but yeah in terms of somebody seeing you come in you got a certain amount of time that you can that you can stress but after that just relax and enjoy yourself You're you're in and you're not and you haven't been seen so
0: absolutely so you have a camera you have a slider you have like all this gear can you talk about your favorite gear like gear recommendations for people that are just getting into the hobby like uh maybe the bag you use to carry all this shit in or like the shoes you wear on your feet (laughs) things like that that you think would be helpful for for newcomers that are coming into this hobby well for
1: sure it you know the the right gear is is very important and i mean it starts off with yes you, you make a great point about a camera bag i've gone through four different camera bags and uh you know what? I while I'm talking, give me a second yeah. because I can pull up what I have. So, yeah, so so my camera bag, it's a it's a pretty durable low pro, pro tactic camera bag. It's the low pro, pro tactic 450, and it's got um it's got all kinds of pouches inside to carry everything, right? Um and you can also support your tripod on, on the, uh, on the bag. So you don't have to carry it around, you know, uh, which was very important to me to be able to not have to carry my tripod in my hand, but attach it to my bag. Um, so yeah, I took quite a bit of quite a bit of time to find the right camera bag. And then the next thing goes with a tripod as well. I've probably been through 10 tripods until I finally found my forever tripod. And that was, uh, um, let's just see which one that was. Because it is important, you know, to go through like, you know, what works for me after having used so many tripods for so many years. I use the Manfrotto 190 Go with uh, with a ball head. It's not carbon fiber, but it's it's not really that heavy either. It's pretty good, and um, it supports really well. It's uh, it's it's easy to carry. Um, I, I would say, yeah, like. I have some, I'm sorry, I have so much gear, I'm having a hard time thinking of what to focus on. <laughs> um, but the, the camera that you use, I mean, yes, it can make a difference, but at the end of the day, the best, they always say the best camera that you have is the one that you have on you. And if you're exploring and all you have is your cell phone and a flashlight, then, you know, have at her, you know, and, and do the best that you can with whatever you have and, You know, try not to get too wrapped up in the whole thing about gear. However, the right camera, the right lens, the right tripod, the right lighting can make a world of difference in the quality of your content, right? Oh yeah. Um, As an explorer, I think it's critical to have a wide angle lens uh, because these rooms just look so good with a good wide angle. So I have a Sigma 10 to 20. Nice. Which is pretty good. my favorite favorite piece of gear is probably my Sigma eighteen to thirty four lens. It goes down to f one point eight, I believe. Um, really, really good in low light. It's super sharp. Um, it took me some time to save up for that. Obviously, it's a, it's a pretty expensive lens. But um, if you can if you can get yourself a good lens, then you know that's a that's a, a really important piece of the gear. Um, now when it comes to video holy shit I've tried I've tried using my DSLR camera to film but I found that the the lens autofocus was way too loud mm. and you could hear it in the video I've tried using my cell phone which is just way too jittery I've tried using a GoPro which I I didn't I don't know I mean GoPro everybody swears by it but they're not that good in low light and as you know and as your listeners know we're always in low light yeah, yeah. <laughs> right for sure. So I ended up getting myself a DJI Pocket Two, oh, uh, nice. and it shoots in 4K high resolution, very small. It's pretty much got the same um, camera and gimbal as as their drones. So it's 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 a pretty sensitive little camera, but it captures really good footage. So um, yeah, so I've got my DJI Pocket Two for video. I've got a Nikon D seventy five hundred for my camera. Um, And obviously, and then there's lighting too, like you've, you know, I'm always looking for a new (laughs) flashlight because I have some of the best flashlights that the world has to offer, but I'm always looking for a better one. Um, And it's not just about having a good source of light. It's about having lots of light Yeah. because you might have to put uh, a light off in this corner and another light behind you and another light off in this room. Um, I prefer to not shoot photos with, um, uh, with, with lights. I r- prefer, um, natural light, but obviously that's not always the case. So I carry lots of light sources with me, n- not just for the purposes of getting a good photo, but also for safety, because let's say you're in a storm drain, you know, or you're in tunnel somewhere and you run out of light, you got to have a backup.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
1: I mean, I could talk about gear all day, but I think I've pretty much covered I it I love off. it. I love
0: it. I'm such a gearhead that I love. That's why, that's, why yeah. that's such a like critical question for this show. You know, I love talking gear. And, you know, you're right about yeah. having backup lights and things like that for safety purposes. Because, I mean, I remember when I was in a tunnel, we were in this, like, military base. And it was all underground, super crazy place in Colorado. It's like a they used to house the intercontinental ballistic missiles there and they're mostly abandoned you know so it was like Mm -hmm. to the point where we were like running out of light and and i just sat in the dark for like 20 minutes just to experience it you know and like it got to the (laughs) point where i could like hear my brain working and hear the blood in my head and like it was crazy when you turn the lights off and there's nothing it's like you're you're in another world it's absolutely insane it's true um can you talk about that feeling of (laughs) stepping into the past like walking into a building and you're in you're a part of history so talk about that feeling of like walking into the past when you walk in a building like you walk back into history basically
1: oh yeah the best some of the best are like uh going into a, a time capsule house you know those houses that are fully intact and there's still so much stuff left behind and you know one of the things I, I always almost always call this out in my videos is when there's still dishes in the sink <laughs> it's so weird to me but you, you don't prepare yourself for the last day of your life right. <laughs> or, you know or whatever ends up happening whatever the reason is for a house becoming abandoned you don't you don't do the dishes and put them away before you leave but I'm always amazed that when there's still dishes in the sink yeah or dishes drying in the drying rack you know mm. or It's such a weird thing to be amazed by, but when the beds are still made in a a house, it's like, well, of course the beds are made because everybody makes their bed before they leave for the day, (laughs) you know? Um, It's just so neat to walk in and like, especially if you go up into like an attic or in a basement and the shit that people put away uh, in the attic and in the basement that they don't need, you know, that they've had for years. Like I found a typewriter once that was worth like $3,000. I found like, I found old World War 2 Nazi stuff. I found war medals. You know, uh, just so much cool stuff that you think has you think has personal and historic significance, yet there it is. Yeah. You know, buried. Man. And forgotten about. And the funny thing about I mentioned that I found a set of I actually found two sets of war medals in the same house belonging to two brothers who had both served in World War 2. Wow. Um and uh, I mean, I've written pretty extensively about this experience, but I um, I was in total shock. I actually left. I had not completed my explore, and I find these two sets of war medals, and um, I, have a, I have a military history myself, as does my family, as many of us do. So I was really shocked when I found these medals, so much so that I couldn't focus anymore on the house. Like, I actually had to leave. Wow. And I went home. And I thought, fuck, I should have grabbed those metals and took them out of the house because somebody's going to steal them one of these days, you know? Um, And I, you know, I have no problems when I find something of uh, monetary or or, um, personal value or significance to try and contact uh, a property owner to say, you know what? I found something. Here's what I was doing. I'm sorry, but I found something you might not know was in there. So I get home. And I was talking to my wife, and I talked to a few friends, and I'm like, I know it's frowned upon to remove things, but this is too important to me to leave these here. Yeah. Uh, so I went back to the house to get the medals and find out who owns the house. Aren't they gone? And oh. it was less than a week. Wow. Yeah, it was like hardly anybody knows about this house. I hadn't even posted any pictures. Some people like to blame me for places getting blown up because maybe I've got a few more followers and it's easier sure. for people to find places. Anyways, so I had nothing to do with this guy getting this house oh. who, had, uh, who had gone in. So I went back to find, to, to get the medals and they were gone. And I'm like, how the hell did this happen? I was just here That's and nobody crazy. knows about this place. Uh, it's a pretty long story, but I had gone on a full on social media campaign to find this person. Uh, who took these medals. And yes, it is possible that somebody else had the same intentions as me, um, but I, I'm not too sure that I believe that in this case because there were a, lo- a lot of other things that were gone. Like there was a knife that had been taken, mm. some other items throughout the house. So, you know, you can tell me all you want that your intentions were the same as mine, but were you also gonna return that knife that that, that was here? Right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. So anyways, I went on this campaign to find out who this person was that took them, got in contact with them. They claimed that they did have the same intentions as me, but they were willing to give them back to me so that I could continue my, um, my case to try and find the family who, who owned these. Anyways, very, very, very long story short, um, the family wanted nothing to do with it. What They didn't want the medals. They even said they had no knowledge of these two men having served in the war. Shut up. What? And they, <laughs> they, they thought that I had brought the medals into the house myself and planted them in the house, and I was trying to get something out of this family. Oh, and my God. And I was completely transparent. I want nothing out of this other than to give these medals back to the family where they belong so that they're not stolen or that when the house, you know, inevitably falls onto itself they don't get buried yeah and they ended up having the police call me police said the family doesn't want these medals they don't want you to contact them anymore and uh, don't go to the house ever again
0: oh my god
1: wow and that's probably the last time that i'll ever do something like that try and do the right thing uh it worked out for me once i found a bunch of money in an abandoned house uh my friend uh bruce and i we found out who owned the house we returned the money to the granddaughter of the person who owned it, and it actually worked out very well for us. In this case, the fact that they didn't want anything to do with the medals, where I had firm proof that these medals belonged to te- to these two men who were in your family, and they didn't want them, it was kind of heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so. I have this goal in like five years, I want to open an urbex museum for things like that, you know, these artifacts that are that are, you know, worth something, even if it's not to somebody like they're, they're a part of history. And I think they should be preserved, you know, and you know, uh, a lot of people do take things out of these places. And I think that if you're going to take them like they should be at least put somewhere like on display where people can learn about the history, not saying that I condone taking things, but you know what I'm saying? Like it would be cool to have a place where people can come experience what we love to do without the dangers of having right, to go right. into abandoned places. So count down guys, we're going to have an urbex museum here one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and I don't judge people who do. Yeah. Yeah. Of things. course. Um, I mean, you know, what, and I've said this a million times. You can't take a group of people who uh, don't follow any rules and expect them to follow rules, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the, it's a really funny way of thinking of it because here we are. We're we're literally breaking the law. Yep. We're we're actually breaking into without uh, without breaking things. We are breaking in. We're trespassing. We are breaking a law and not following rules and laws. So then, when you put a set of rules on us, like don't break in don't take things don't move things yeah um it's kind of hard to expect people to follow rules when people don't follow rules Mm. (laughs) but with that said um i've i have friends that say i would much rather take something out of an abandoned house and save it than have it be buried in the ground when they demolish the house yeah or when the house inevitably burns down yeah you know it gets lost and and i can respect that and i won't judge uh somebody for taking things i just personally don't take things for my own benefit
0: yeah i totally get you and yeah no no disrespect to anybody that does that like i get i get it i get why you do that you know um so yeah have you had any urban exploration injury stories
1: you know what i've been pretty lucky it's been 10 years i have a few bites from uh, barbed wire uh, some scars on my my wrists from barbed wire um I did fall through one floor. Uh, I was I walked into an old factory and it had a wooden floor. And, I you, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm usually pretty uh, pretty good at paying attention to the flooring and sticking to the side, you know, the corners of the wall and the floor where it's a little more sturdy. I took three steps into this factory and I dropped like a oh. ton of bricks. Um, and I got some pretty significant bruising on my hips as a result of that, but I didn't have any... Um, shifting of my pelvis or or anything major like that. Um, I dropped through a stair a set of stairs once, scratched up my leg pretty bad. But I just lathered a whole bunch of hand sanitizer on it, which hurt like shit. Oh <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But no, I've actually knock on wood, I haven't really hurt myself yet.
0: Good, good. I'm very happy to hear that. You know, I've personally never fallen through a floor, but I I'm pretty small. So I don't I don't know if I would ever fall through a floor, but God forbid one day that I fall through the floor, (laughs) I'm going to have a story to tell for sure. Um, So just
1: really watch for the watch for the floor beams and stick to the stick to the corners, the edge of the wall where the wall meets the floor. Uh, is probably your best bet. But in this situation, I was walking into a factory. I didn't think I had to worry about that, but obviously I did.
0: Right, right. And I know you said earlier you don't do haunted shit, but can you tell me about your scariest exploration to date? And this doesn't have to be like a ghost story. This could be running into a, a homeless person or you know a cop encounter or something like that.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a few uh, stories. And I mean... You know, when it comes to the paranormal and stuff, it's just, the reason I say I don't believe in it is because, as you have and many of your listeners have and are friends, we've been in some places where some of the worst shit has happened, you know? Uh, Asylums, psychiatric hospitals, the the morgues, homes where murders have happened, suicides. Like, we've been where the baddest shit has happened and hardly anything ever happens, right? I did have one experience once where... I was walking up a set of stairs in an an abandoned house and as i turned around something really weird flies by the camera it's like a dust or a mist and it it makes a noise Mm -hmm. um there wasn't any wind in the house it wasn't uh, a bird i i I don't know what it was and to this day i still can't fully explain what it was um i've been I, i spent the night years ago in an abandoned asylum here in ontario and we had set up our hammocks in this one room. And I swear to God, I heard footsteps uh, at, over um, in the night walking up the hallway so much so that the footsteps were walking up the hallway and they seemed to have stopped right in the door to the room where we were sleeping in. And I opened my eyes expecting to see a security guard or somebody watching looking right. at us. There was nobody there. Oh my and God. these footsteps were as clear as day. And, <sighs> doing research on the specific uh, building that we were in, a lot of the night staff say they hated working nights because of the sound of footprints in the hallways at night. Oh it wasn't God. so much as that that was a scary experience. It was just uh, really, really interesting to hear that and open your eyes and there's nothing there. It was it was crazy. Wow. But um, I would say probably my scariest experience I've ever had and probably... Without a doubt, the stupidest thing I've ever done. Um, I I, I can name drop it now because it's a public place now. It's actually a tourist attraction. But there's a power plant in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. It's called the Canadian Niagara Power Plant. And it's got these um, tunnels that go about, I think, 300 feet underneath the city of Niagara Falls. And it's the tail race tunnels where the water would... would, uh, would come down the the penstocks, spin the turbines, then the water gets spit out this tailrace back into the lower Niagara River. And it's about a 2,500 foot tunnel that's 300 feet underground. And I got into the power plant a few years ago through uh, some uh, tips and advice from my friend Urban Downfall. I always give him credit for this because if it wasn't for him, I would not have had this experience. So people always say, oh, good for you, you're so brave. I'm like, no. I already was given the information by this guy. He's the one who deserves the credit. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'll back up. So this power plant, one of the reasons why they never uh, uh, reused it was because the, the, the foundation had shifted deep underground and there was these massive cracks in the wall that jeopardized the structural integrity of the building. So I'm, I'm crawling down these ladders, you know, 300 feet below the city of Niagara falls. And then I get to this opening where there's a, a, there's like a 30 foot extendable ladder and anyone who's ever stood on an extendable ladder knows how wobbly they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, a 10 foot extendable ladder is wobbly. So imagine 30 feet. So I'm, I'm alone. Okay. (laughs) I'm 300 feet underground. I have no cell phone service and I'm about to step onto this 30 foot extendable ladder that goes down into a tunnel that spills out into the lower niagara river if this ladder breaks i'm i'm toast i you know i I have to literally sit there until someone enters the power plant that i can yell up to to help me to get out and then i'm and then i'm busted but stepping onto that ladder and going down into that tunnel by myself at 11 o'clock at night was probably the stupidest thing i've ever done (laughs) and scariest
0: oh man we love to hear it (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. So, uh tell me about your favorite exploration overall. If you can pick one.
1: Oh, um or most memorable. Question, but... Yeah. Yeah, I would say I mean power plants are some of my favorite um just cuz they're big and they're risky especially when they're still connected to the grid. There was um this old power plant here in Ontario called um, Nanacoke. it's been demolished now, but it's a, it was an old uh, coal hydro power plant. And it had been closed for quite some time, but it was still, like it still had power, it still had lights, the control room was, it, it, basically you could turn it back on at, <laughs> at any moment. It was a fully functioning power plant, just hadn't been completely closed down yet. Um, And I was doing my own research on uh, exploring this, not knowing that at the same time, two friends of mine, um, two guys that I know were actively exploring it at that time. So they beat me to it and they posted their photos and gave me a little bit of information on what I needed to know and then left the rest up to me, which is great. So basically it's still owned by the, it was still owned by the Ontario provincial government. Uh, so getting caught in there would not be a good idea. They have two active security guards, uh, 24 hours a day. And I and I did this one by myself. I, I do typically explore alone. Um, so getting in there was not easy. I had to park so far away, such a long walk in, and it was a pain in the ass to find out how to get into the building. Because like I said, they only gave me you know, a little bit of information to go on and left the rest up to me, which is the name of the game, which, which is what makes it fun. So then finally getting myself in and being in the turbine hall and, and the, in the control room and having the, this, one of the largest power plants in the entire country of Canada all to myself for a night was probably one of my favorite experiences. Um, I wasn't doing video at the time, so I don't have any video of that experience, but um, that was probably one of my favorite uh, explorers to date
0: very cool i love power plants and nuclear plants are super fun to explore i got to visit one in washington and we had two days that we were allowed to like wander around and shoot some music videos in this this nuclear like power plant area and i like got to go in the cooling tower and like climbed a crane it was crazy it was super such a cool experience (laughs) (laughs) it was so sick the only crane i will ever climb i will never climb a crane again fuck that (laughs) it's so scary (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so can you tell me uh what social media has done for you as a, a content creator as an urban explorer has it helped you connect with other explorers around the world uh talk to me a little bit about your social media experience
1: yeah that's a really good uh question to ask because it's such a major part of things right now it's, it's funny so many people are against it yeah but you can't you can't fight what you can't control. You know, like social media is is happening, and posting on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, it's it's happening, and you can't stop it. And um, there's an audience out there for this kind of stuff, right? And, and and I get the the whole thing about secrecy and and not name dropping. And you know, for the most part, I try to to keep things private and details out where when and where I can and realizing that I might have a little bit more of a a following. I don't have as much as many, but I have more than some. So you have to be careful with what information you put out there. And I like to think that I know what locations to be careful with and which ones I don't have to be careful with. Mm. Um, But when I started, uh, it was mostly UER and, and Facebook were really it, and then in comes Instagram. And when Instagram came in, all the explorers hated Instagram. <laughs> fuck Instagram. It's going to kill exploring. Right. Well, now they're all on Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, and then YouTube, explorers start posting on YouTube and the whole urban exploring community. Oh, fuck YouTube. It's, it's going to kill. It's going to kill exploring. Well, now everybody's on YouTube. So it's like, you know, those two grumpy old men in the Muppet show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what their names are, but that's what those people remind me of. Oh somebody who, somebody who, who hates change and a new social media channel. That's not, you know, that's what you look like and that's what you sound like. And the more you, the more you go against these inevitable platforms, you know, the more you're going to get left behind. Mm. And that's my opinion, anyways. Um, you know, I uh, Facebook has been unbelievable for me in terms of building an audience and getting content out there for people to see, uh, for storytelling, for generating interest, getting people talking. There's, there are, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there that live vicariously through us. You know, yeah. they love the history. They love the pictures. And I love bringing this information to these people that wouldn't necessarily do this themselves. Um, Instagram has been really good at connecting with other explorers. Um, you know, my, my Facebook audience is mainly moms, aunts, uncles, <laughs> you know, people that don't really explore. They just love the idea of it right. and the pictures. In- Instagram is a lot of fellow explorers, and that's where I meet a lot of people is through Instagram. Um, I've recently picked up TikTok, and I didn't really know – what to do with TikTok at at this point. I'm like, you know, okay, so I'm going to try this new platform and I don't know what it's going to do for me. I'll give it a chance. And if it doesn't perform, then I'll just drop it. And so I tried, you know, posting short videos here and there and and they weren't really picking up and it wasn't working. And so I just recently came up with the idea to use my TikTok to do one minute to two minute short snippets with history of locations that I'm okay with putting information out there, you know, mm-hmm. like very well-known spots. Um, and it's done well. I actually have one place that's at 2 million views. Wow. One, and, and it's like, I call it Mysteries of the Abandoned, and I just narrate a one-minute history uh, combined with historic photos and my own content, and it's doing well. It's actually picked up my TikTok channel, and I'm, it gives me a new outlet for being creative, right? It's another. It's just another way, to, way for me to take this content that's been sitting on my hard drive that I've already posted. It's already on my website, but it gives it a new life.
0: Yep. You know, absolutely.
1: And then there's YouTube, which YouTube gives people the opportunity to explore right alongside with us, you know, and people always laugh because I say the word guys so much in my videos. <laughs> but the reason why I say guys in my videos is, is one, because I think it's fucking hilarious because <laughs> it makes so many people mad. But second it makes you feel as though you're right there with me. Like when I'm exploring and I'm filming for YouTube, I'm doing it with my viewers to make it feel like they're right there with me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So it's a lot of fun. And and every social platform gives you a different creative outlet and a different way to express yourself and put your content out there.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, TikTok has been, insanely like it i've never seen growth like that before it's crazy once it finally takes off it's like it's insane and now like the definition of a viral video has changed so much because like 20,000 views is ain't shit compared to like, you know, 2-3 million <laughs> views like you were just talking about and you know I got to say TikTok they really like the voiceover narrations with this kind of stuff cuz I mean, I also, you know, I do TikTok as well and have a video that's sitting yeah. at like like a mill right now and it's like they love the the dramatic voiceover kind of stuff on there. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, and that's the funny thing funny that you say that, because I came up with a very unique voice just for TikTok. Um, you know, like, here I am, this is how I talk, and normally, the way I'm talking right now is how I talk about exploring with this excitement. But my TikTok videos, I have a very different, specific tone to my voice. And every video, I sound exactly the same. And um, yeah, the, the, the only thing with TikTok is, you know, again, I go back to secrecy and not blowing up spots. Mm-hmm. And again, if there's a spot that I know has already been blown up many times before me, then I don't care. I'll fucking name drop it. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, yeah. care, you know, um, because everybody already knows it. So I'm not doing anybody a, a, a service by, you know. Anyways, I know what you're
0: saying. But I know some people, exactly. Some, what you people
1: mean. On, some people on TikTok are far too. Uh, Wishy washy with their with their information, yeah, and that's where I get that people get mad about social media. It's the people who do geotag a spot on Instagram or you know name drop a spot that maybe shouldn't have been name dropped or add too or add too many details to their video or their post to get it because let's let's face it, there are millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people now that are getting into exploring because of social media so there's even more people now that are looking for these spots so i've held on to a lot of locations that i'm not posting yet because it's just i know too many of my friends that still want to get there right you know i know a lot of people that are still good that still want to go and i don't want and i don't want to post it because i don't want to blow it up for them absolutely you know? um but it's just very important for anybody sort of new to the hobby listening To just be aware of the information that you're putting out there uh, and and for what location, that's all.
0: Definitely. So do you have any goal places, like bucket list items that you haven't explored yet that you're dying to go to?
1: Well, yes. I mean, I live in Ontario, Canada, near Toronto, and there's a lot to see in Ontario. And I've done most of it, but there's always something new coming up. Mm-hmm. What I haven't done is really gone into the U.S. You know, I mean, I've obviously I've done Detroit. I've done Gary, Indiana. I've done New York State. But I haven't really ventured that far into the U.S. outside of border cities that are within, a you know, eight, nine hour drive from home. Right. I really need to get deeper into the U.S., and I also need to get out of Ontario. I've done I've done Quebec a number of times, um, on the east coast of, of Canada, out in Newfoundland. There's all kinds of really cool stuff out there. Um, I just I feel like I need to prioritize travel a little bit better. So it's not necessarily a bucket list location. It's more uh, I, I just want to go a little bit farther than uh, than I have been.
0: Got it. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you could live in one abandoned place that you've explored for an entire week, hassle-free, no, no getting caught, you're comfortable in the place, which place would it be?
1: Well, it's funny you say that because I have, actually. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I spent a whole I spent a whole weekend at an abandoned jail here in Ontario. Um, there's a women's prison here in Ontario, and it's been closed for several years. And I was doing a road trip. um And this jail was pretty much central to my entire trip, where I could drive to the prison, spend the night, and then leave in the morning and drive, you know, five hours this way, four hours that way, come back to the prison for the night, order pizza, get some beer, spend the night inside the prison, and then go back out again the next day. And I spent three nights (laughs) inside this prison by myself. I've done it. I, I mean, the location's already been pretty much hard out, but I won't, I won't mention it, but yeah, I actually did already do that. I spent a weekend in a jail. Oh, that's
0: awesome. I love that. So <laughs> my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started exploring?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, something I know now that I didn't know. <laughs> The, the, the drama <laughs> <laughs> and how to stay away from it you know uh, certain people to avoid certain things to not do um, the fact that certain things that you do in your exploring career will follow you around forever whether good or bad you know um, I, would, I would honestly say don't let yourself get wrapped up in drama you know i've i've had opinions about people i've had opinions about how certain people do certain things or how they express themselves creatively and i've been mean i've said mean things to people and about people and i regret it um now at this point I, i just want to have fun i just want to explore meet people and i do i feel awful for certain you know I'll give an example. I, I real, I made fun of people for using uh, glass balls, you know those oh, little spheres. Little yeah. <laughs> yes, I've made fun of people for using those. I made fun of people for using smoke bombs, you know, and like I've made pe- I've made fun of people for HDR and for I just I don't know I, I think I went through a, a mean phase where I was highly critical of everything mm. and who am I. You know, who am I to point fingers and criticize anyone else's method of expressing themselves creatively? And to, and I, I mean, this is a great platform for me to say to all these people who I may have said mean things to and about, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I really do wish when I first started doing this that I knew to not get involved in that stuff. Let people live, let them express themselves however they want, you know? Um, as long as you're not hurting somebody else or stealing somebody else's content, you know, um, I just wish that I would have been a little bit nicer during this period to, uh, to certain people. And and for, for that, I do apologize to people who I was very mean to at the time.
0: Hey, I love that you recognize that and that you've grown so much as, as an explorer, as a person to, you know, apologize for that. I think that's huge, you know? And uh, so if people want to keep following your journey on your path through the abandonment of the world where can they find you online drop your social media
1: okay so i've pretty much taken complete ownership of the name freaktography so if you are on instagram facebook twitter youtube or tiktok or reddit just search freaktography and you'll find me um you'll know it's me by the pictures of the you know there are a couple other people who have Tried using the name Freaktography, where it's like Freak-tography or Freaktography Studios. Those aren't me. <laughs> You'll know it's me by the picture. Uh, my website is freaktography.com. And, uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: I hope you guys had a lovely Halloween episode with Freaktography. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and feedback on the podcast, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, man. It really helps the podcast grow. If you have recommendations for the show or if you want to be on the show, please hit me up at no.tracers on Instagram or No Tracers on TikTok. And we'll get you on the schedule. I love doing this show. I love that you guys are such a big part of this. And thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out the podcast. And I'll talk to you next time. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Go out. Go explore something. And remember, leave no trace.